BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, you're listening to SupDoc. I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And this is a show where we talk to interesting people with strong opinions about their favorite documentaries. On today's episode, we review Finding Vivian Meyer, the 2013 documentary from director John Maloof that follows a very private photographer, Vivian Meyer. And we sit down with comedian and basically the best laugher in the game, Esther Koo. So we are here with our illustrious comedian, actor, guest, Esther Koo. What's up? What's up? Thanks for having me. From the podcast Koo and the Gang. That's right. And watching Coo. my poo with Koo. And the gang. And the gang. Yeah. And well, recently you're here for, you have another gig out here. Yeah, man. Can you tell us about that or what? Um, I guess so. Sweet. Do it. Yeah. Oh, I just got to do a voiceover on uh, Family Guy. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a documentary about this guy. <laughs> He's from, uh, really fat. From Massapequa, Rhode Island. Yeah, and he um, he's just a loser, and yeah. he you know runs into all these problems. It's really funny. You should check it out. Yeah, I, I've watched a little bit of that doc. It's uh, Brian, right? He has a son named Brian and shit. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. But that's 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 <laughs> how was it? Did you already do it, or you you about to do it? I already did it. And and it was awesome. And what did Seth MacFarlane ask about me? <laughs> Did he bring me up at he all? He was wondering when you're going to do an episode about his documentary. Oh, does he have one? Family Guy, yeah. Oh, it's called Family Guy, right. <laughs> That's right. right. We'll have him on soon. I like that. It's like it's like the Up series, but it's just Family Guy. Right, it's like right, Peter Griffin right. is a seven-year-old. Yeah. Michael Apted's Family Uncle Guy. Uncle the three Fs. Yeah. Never mind. Um, so, yeah, we and you're here, and you normally live in Miami. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's like that's a traditional Miami accent. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, man. Well, I just got back from Chamay. Come on. Oh, you did? Yeah. Was yeah, that where you got your your pot shirt? No, I actually <laughs> got this in Miami. But oh, okay. yeah, you, it's like I wear I buy all these clothes where like because it's so hot that yeah. I know how to dress for this weather this week. It's so hot here this week Dude, because of the fire. It's brutal. Oh yeah, the fire. Is it because of the fire? No, I think the fire is because summer? it's hot. I don't think it's hot because of the fire, but... I heard it was a bunch of teenagers who started it. Really? <laughs> Probably. They it's went camping and left the campfire on. It's like an 80s movie. Oh, mm-hmm. oh Jesus. Yeah. yeah, I drove by. I think I, I drove... I Yeah, it looked like a volcano. I well, literally thought we had a I, volcano. I was just driving here on Friday from San Francisco, and on I-5 in the Grapevine was a giant accident. So it had these... Li- oh. These signs were saying, accident, three-hour delay. So they had a detour that went around the Grapevine and then ne- right next to the fire. So, like... We were driving on the highway, and the fire was, like, right off the side of the highway. It was crazy. Wow. I know this is fascinating, but I was I, I, I must have gotten there about an hour before you because I was the five was at a standstill, ah. but I was eventually able to get past all of that to, gotcha. get to, the, to get to the actual. I didn't have to get off of the five. You got off of the five. I got off of the five onto, like, highway 
California South 132 or something, some yeah, random. Yeah, I think Waze was telling me to do that, but yeah. I'm like, I think I'm going to write it out, and then I, so you drove right by the actual fire. It was like, you know how they say licking? Like, the fire was licking right off the. Licking? Uh, yeah, that's hot. I know, it's hot. Wow. But it was like licking right off, it was like right off the highway. I mean, you could, it was like right there. It was crazy. It was weird. It seemed apocalyptic. I thought it was either Trump or Pokemon Go was the cause. Right. I was thinking yeah. <laughs> one of the two. But is that so? That's what you heard. Were teenagers? That's what I heard. I don't Stupid know. teenagers. It's true, but it sounds plausible. I know the sky has been pretty incredible, though. It's been very red. Yeah, and it's been Orange. very hot here in delightful downtown, beautiful Glendale. Now, you started doing Esther. You started doing comedy in Miami. No, in Boston. In Boston. I rub the East Coast up and down, baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what they say about Florida? It is Miami. It is the Wang I'm, of America. I'm all up in that 95, bitch. You know, from Maine down to Florida. Is that a highway? You don't. Yeah. I though. thought you were just referring to the year 1995. I did too. I was going no, back to like, oh, 12 North, Monkeys came South. out, and uh, okay, yeah. And so you started in Boston. Did you go to school there, or what were you doing in Boston? No, I just was doing stand-up there. Mm-hmm. I started stand-up there because I read in a book that Boston has one of the best comedy scenes in the country. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to Boston. I want to do comedy. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. But you grew up, where did you grow up? Chicago. Chicago. Uh-huh. Okay. Which I think might tie into this topic for this film, possibly. Yes. You're right. Because <laughs> we are talking about finding Vivian Mayer, which... Meyer? Meyer. Did I say Mayer? Yes. Yeah, you said Mayer. You're right, Meyer. Bill Mayer. Bill Mayer, exactly. <laughs> John Mayer, I'm a big fan of. John Meyer, you mean? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, John this, this Meyer takes Wiener. place basically out of Chicago, mm-hmm. which and you can hear all the delightful hard T Chicago accents uh, in this documentary. A lot of them, like, oh my God, that time, you know, <laughs> he was standing. Okay, that's here. like Minnesota. You're oh exaggerating a little bit. <laughs> that's that is that is Chicago. That's northern Chicago. But so. Uh, what did you think? What did you think about this? The movie? Yeah. Wait, that's all we're going to talk about me? No. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be a no. lot of talk about the fire, then a highway we don't know. Oh, my God. And then you should have given straight me in the, the light. Movie. I didn't uh, know it was going to be so short. No, well, at first I you have seem reluctant. I my time on the fucking fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Chicago Fire. What about that? Why were we in the Great oh, Chicago Fire? It was started fire, by man. Mrs. O'Leary and her cow in the it, barn. What about the molasses thing yeah. was that chicago do you know i don't even know what that the is the huge molasses disaster do you remember this no it was like a molasses factory i don't remember what city it was i wanted to say it was chicago but like literally like like it exploded and then just molasses was like pouring down the streets but it had like you know dead animals and people trapped inside of it whoa, whoa. Yeah. the great molasses spill there but must be a documentary about that there that should be that it might be bill pre yeah probably the slowest spill in of a natural you know like it's molasses so yeah you could get moves, out of the way yeah you, you could get out of the way so pretty people easily. who got caught in it are just, just dumb. slow moving yeah. dumb drunks Getting caught by or the maybe molasses. handicapped people. Well, that is true too. Yeah. They they do need some extra time. Um, <laughs> they do need a little extra time. But so I didn't make this up. I just want you to know I did not make up. So, but you explosion. you picked this documentary, and and so why why did you pick it? Um, why are we talking about it? Why I guess I was on Netflix one night and I just started perusing documentaries, and I saw the description and I thought I'd check it out. Nice. Yeah. And and um, it was fascinating documentary about this woman who is a nanny right and but she loved taking pictures and she was sort of a loner artist type but nobody discovered her work people didn't discover her work until after she died 
Yeah. Yeah, that's You nuts. didn't watch it, did you? <laughs> I don't I have no, I have no idea what you're talking about. so blank right now. I have no idea what you're talking about. I was just, I just had all these thoughts coming to my head when you were saying that. But yeah, so she's a nanny. She, as it turns out, now regarded as one of the greatest 20th century photographers, which is she fucking She's an nuts. amazing photographer. Yeah. And but she never really pursued photography. She had boxes upon boxes of uh, film and undeveloped film in her storage unit. And the guy who made the documentary is just somebody who like is one of those storage guys. Storage wars guys, yeah. Yeah, and he just does that for a living. Discovered this whole storage unit full of the most amazing photographs yeah. taken by this woman yeah. who lived. A very modest life, and she could have been probably wealthy had Super. had she marketed herself or had she submitted her photos to a magazine to Time. I'm sure Time magazine would have printed them. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, and photography yeah. now. Yeah, Those she guys. Could have, she could have gotten her art out there so much sooner. Yeah. Than when yeah. she hit the graveyard, but. That is true. That is so. So let me ask, let me ask you this, Ku. Uh, have you ever had a storage locker? I have. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first ten minutes of this movie was just like, oh, this is gonna be all about hoarding. I'm all excited yeah. about that part. So what? Do you still have it? No. Okay. I, you know what? I finally cleaned it out and yeah. I finally got rid of my storage unit. Gotcha. And it just felt great because every time I went to New York, I would do a little work on it yeah. and go through all my shit and yeah. throw away stuff and donate stuff that I don't really need. If someone, if you were to have forgotten about it and and like ten years later, someone buys it. And, and would have gone through your shit, what would have been like the most embarrassing thing that they would have found that was in that storage locker? Probably my diaries. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would, that would be, that yeah. would do it. Yeah, my journals. Oh, that man. Embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't We're, want that. You keeping good journals throughout like high school, college? Or? Not high school, but I started more when I was in Boston. Of keeping a journal? Yeah. So when you first moved there? Off, off and on. You're like, dear diary, I took the tea to the Red Sox game. But I wouldn't game. write dear diary. I'd be like, dear me, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Wait, let me ask you this. Do you write in your diary, do you write in first person or third person? First person. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I write in third person. You do? Yeah. I don't say Paco You're did. You're just that much more of a narcissist than I am. <laughs> I like to call an artist, but yeah, I think I am. It's abbreviation. I like to think I'm writing it to someone, though. Second person would be the weirdest. Yeah, that would be strange. <laughs> you are looking at my diary. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have a diary, George? Uh, I've written or things down. Uh, what I realized is that I only wrote things when I was like really bummed out. So I never went back and read it because like, well, this just reminds me of all these times I was super bummed out. I never had a thing of like write about when things are going well. Yeah. So I just no. You only write about yeah. when you're bummed out. Yeah, yeah. So or, it's like it's terrible in that way. Or super excited about something. Super like, excited. Yeah. Like, I just had the best night ever. Here's what I did. Yeah. I went to... And then you talk about... Like, I do that. Yeah. I record the good moments, too. Yeah, a little bit. My but favorite I is, started from the bad moments. I like when I'm... Like, sometimes... I, I kept... As soon as I moved to San Francisco, I started keeping a journal. And uh, there was times when I would be like... 
uh, okay, I'll be writing about something. I'll be like, I'll be right back. I would tell my journal that I'd be right back. Like, I would BRB. Write, I'll, I'll be right back. And then, like, it'd be like September uh, 2007. And the next entry would be like October 2010. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like, no, me fuck. too. I, I wasn't religious about it. Yeah, yeah, no, you can't be too religious. Were you keeping your notes for your stand up in the same journal? Yeah. So you kind of, do you do the same thing? Do you have like a stand-up journal? I sure do. Where you kind of like, things that just happened get mixed in there? I had a performance journal that after e- any set, I would go back home and write if it was good, bad, what I could do better, that kind of shit. I stopped doing that. I should mm-hmm. probably do that. But I know. When you start out, you have such good work ethic. You do. Right? <laughs> You're so interested. I write everything yeah. down. But now, it's just I just write a phrase, and that's my whole thing. Oh, yeah. I d- or maybe just think about it. I might right. just think about it on the bus. I got one of those moleskins because I saw other comics had moleskins. So I just was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to need. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's totally gone by the wayside. Have you guys ever dabbled in photography, Esther? No. I've always wanted to, though. Like, I wish I would have signed that. Whenever, like, I picked my electives for high school, right. I always looked at photography yeah. and art like, oh, I wish uh, I could do that, but yeah. I feel like I have to take these AP classes to get these credits out of the way for college. Oh, yeah. Because I was just, like, such a w- in workaholic mode, I guess. Uh-huh. Gotcha. And, but You're I Asian, wish, right? That's part of <laughs> I wish uh, I would have taken a photography yeah, class. Like, yeah. that would have been so much fun. But you, did? where did you go to college? You went to, I forget. You U of I. Oh, Champagne, yeah, Champagne? Champagne. Okay. You didn't take photography classes in U No, I wish I had. Like that, right. you know, but also the photography teacher, I think the art teachers at our school, they were kind of known as like perverty. Oh, like they would yeah. get gropey with the students. Oh, so maybe that's why I didn't. Perverty and gropey. <laughs> I did. Right. Maybe that's why I no didn't you went into sign up for his class. Yeah. What about you, George? You ever. Uh, Groped? No. Uh, by a teacher? <laughs> no, never groped by a teacher. By Paco. Uh, never groped by Paco. Not yet. No, I took a... Well, yeah. yeah there's, uh, there's always... Uh, that's how you, not, got, that's uh, how you got the co-host job. Oh, boy. <laughs> just just active harassment on the mic. Um, no, uh, Wait, you don't I, tell your listeners, n- listeners that you're groping him right now? No, they don't know. Oh. It's not a three-way... Uh, gro- like, if you'd like to be groped, please email Paco at Subtalk Podcast. <laughs> groping at 69... Um, I took like and yeah, like junior high. I took a photo- black and white photography class, and we had to do the developing. And I thought I would be great at it, and I just was like, whatever, very yeah. blase. Not really. I couldn't even wrap my head around all the chemical stuff, and that's a lot of what it was back then. I mean, I think what's cool about this in a way, she's like they, they reference that she's not, Vivian Meyer's not great at printmaking. But she is like just has such a good eye. Her negatives are great. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wish I'd gone more into it. I'm actually photography is a genre. A, she just ne- needed an assistant. Right. Yeah. Had she found herself an assistant, she would have been a worldwide, world-renowned photographer before she died. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's part of the question. Is like like what were her intentions with her work, and like did she want, did she want attention? Was she doing this as part of a just a, a, a documentation for herself? Like, it's a little bit unclear. We get to some point in the movie where it's revealed a little bit more what some of her intentions are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so... I think it's probably what makes this so compelling. It's like, it'd be one thing if she was a photographer of, like, little renown. Little renown. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that she was completely unknown until after her death... Makes it so fascinating. Especially in today's world. Like, she 
didn't die that long ago. Yeah. I was thinking about how, like, basically, like, there could not be a situation like this now because almost the opposite is the case. It's like yeah. someone who has no talent in photography but has a huge Instagram account. It's right. like all about the sharing. The sharing is now, I think, bigger deal. Like, the, getting the socials and the numbers is a bigger deal than the content itself, oh, I would of say, course. For, yeah. for things now. So, yeah, it's, like, hard to picture. And also, like, just this whole era of even getting, like, Super 8 film developed, that's like a whole process in and of itself. Like oh, uh, getting your film developed, getting all that stuff. Yeah. Like the fact that, um, so the guy who finds all the stuff, I want to say his name is John Maloof. Maloof. He is, he starts off, he grew up in a family where they were like going to storage lockers, yeah. buying stuff. He just r- saw that there were negatives in this case, decided to take them. He starts scanning the negatives on a flatbed scanner. And putting those images online and being like, I don't know what to do with this. Right. And then he just gets the steamroll. It's, it reminds me of some other, like even like uh, a couple other documentaries we've seen where like the technology starts to be part of the story. Right. It's like the fact that he's just putting them on, I think, like Blogger or like Blogspot or something in Flickr. 2012. Right. It was on yeah. Flickr. Yeah, Flickr. He, he put them up on no Flickr. one does anymore. No. Really <laughs> use Flickr because it got by yeah. Yahoo. But um, yeah, so uh, that's the beginning of how this story goes. And he's also the filmmaker. So the first like... 10, 15 minutes, you're seeing completely through the lens of this guy, John Maloof. I liked, I liked, it reminded me when it first started, it kind of reminded me of, um, of like a, like a, like kind of a traditional documentary because it starts with people that you're going to be introduced to in the documentary and, and they all look very quizzical and then they all say words like paradoxical and, eccentric because they're you know describing vivian vivian oh yeah the very beginning the yeah very the talking beginning. head it has bits, a very yeah. errol morris feel to it mm-hmm. it's like you you immediately realize All right, so he watched the beginning yeah <laughs> well i watched the first 10 minutes and now so you grew up now um let's get back no to i grew up in chicago yeah, right and she was a photographer in chicago at the time i was growing up okay and so when i saw the sheer um, like volume of yeah. film she had in the storage locker, I was like, I maybe there's a picture of me in there. Of a young she Esther? would she would just go to parks right. and she would just take pictures and she would take the most candid photographs yeah. because her camera was one of those where you don't point and shoot up at your face. Yeah. You hold the camera down around your neck yeah. and it's down on like your belly level, button. Yeah. So she would catch people off guard. Yeah. So she had the most candid photos of people who didn't know their photos were being taken. Or it's just that moment where they see her. There's that moment of like shock or just engagement where they're like, oh, you're taking a picture of me? There's often that look in people's faces too. Yeah, and that was back when like not everybody had a camera in their iPhone. And it was a very nice camera too that she had. Super nice. The Prelinger, not the Prelinger, it's called a. Uh, I don't know what Canon. Yeah, no, 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 it's like a cell phone. Old school. Yeah, she had a she had a giant <laughs> cell phone in like 1973. Yeah. That would be kind of amazing. Well, like, and my grandparents, you know, there. Are, it looks like she lived in some like I guess Chicago in the 50s and 60s was extraordinarily ethnic. But like, I saw like some old like Polish women. I was like, those that could be my grandparents in there because like uh, mm-hmm. you know the South Side of Chicago. What part of Chicago did you grow up in? Rogers Park. Oh, in Rogers Park. Yeah. Yes. Like, my parents would take me to Lincoln Park Zoo all the time. Uh-huh. And I wonder if she was there. Is Rogers Beach in Rogers Park? I don't think so. Oh, okay. That's in the north area. Of well, it is a north area. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know the names of the beaches. Yeah, I just yeah, went yeah. there. Did you grow up with a nanny? 
No. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, many I grew up. Did. I grew up with like the opposite, with like parents who left us alone. Oh right, right. <laughs> Those kind of parents. The anti nanny. Yeah. 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 Did you have a babysitter? Or anything? No, well, I, I was didn't. a latchkey kid. Yeah, I was more on that half. I was like, you know, divorced parents, so two households, so I was like going back and forth right. a lot. Yeah, we didn't have a nanny, uh, but when my my dad and my stepmom had kids, they got a nanny because my stepmom had twins, so mm. it was like. A lot of work. Uh -huh. yeah. Brought in this lady from like, she's like Filipino. And that was another thing that started to happen in there. Like the demographics of what you think of as domestic workers has changed a lot. There's a scene there where they're going to like one of these families that had hired Vivian in the past. And now they have like uh, a Latina like maid as like their Right. Kind of Whereas yeah. Vivian was a white lady. Mm -hmm. yeah. she, she was, was actually French. European. She was French. Right. And that's another thing that comes up. It's that's like a weird part of this documentary. You start hearing her voice about midway through. She made a ton of audio recordings of herself. And then one of the guys that used to be an employer of hers. It's like she knew somebody was going to make a documentary about her. <laughs> right. Yeah, I see. feel like she was up to that. Like, right, she, it was almost like when we did, uh, we did Ray Johnson's documentary, uh, How to Draw a Bunny, and it was a lot of this stuff, like, who's going to, like, look at this stuff after the fact right. and try to, like, figure out the mystery. There, there is a little bit of the fact that she kept everything, so it's almost like someone at some point is going to find this she, and realize how yes. badass a photographer I am. And she kept everything so, like, she was so meticulous about keeping every receipt from every transaction that she had ever had in a, even in a tiny pawn shop where she bought a camera or something, yeah. that this guy was able to trace her roots back down to the towny, tiny town in France where she was from, and she went there and talked to those people. <laughs> yeah. He does, like, a lot of, like, private investigation work, essentially, on... And yeah, he's a good PI. Yeah. And just from, like, one photograph of her hometown, he oh, was yeah, able to figure steeple. out... Like, the tiny yeah. town. It's like... I was like, wow, this guy yeah. he's is a bit obsessive. Good. He's a bit of an obsessive himself. Of course, yeah. Well, I would be, too, I think, if I somehow, like, haphazardly found a storage locker full of what turns out to be some of the best photography work yeah. in the 20th century. Like... Like I I I was a big fan of Storage Wars when that show first started yeah. because like just the idea of discovering something valuable uh -huh. in a storage locker it's exciting it's super exciting it's like it's like gambling yeah oh so it, check this out dice. one time uh, recently like maybe a month and a half ago I, I went to an audition I took a lift the guy who was a lift driver I told him I was going to audition for a thing and he's like oh and so I was like, what else do you do I'm like I do comedy he's like oh I used to be a doorman at the comedy store he was also a Storage Wars guy. Yeah. Was a you know black guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you had him as a lift driver, you know, no, but you know him from the store. No, Guam. Guam knows him. That Guam makes sense. Guam him. Felix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he was on storage. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I asked him what's he a bought a storage locker. Yeah, he, was, he would know he was he on was the assistant TV show. with the yeah. other guy on storage wars. So he I asked him what's the craziest thing he found in a locker. He's like, oh yeah, dead body. He like had found a dead body. He's like, did that make it into the show? He's like, oh no no no, they had to take all that stuff as evidence. Why? They should show it. No, yeah, they, they, they it ended up being evidence in like a homicide Whoa. Uh, investigation. Kind of like Silence yeah. of the Lambs. That's linked to your like storage unit. Like you have a name linked yeah, to that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I wonder. So I'm sure they found the murderer. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. I don't think he followed up on the case. He was just I would have followed up and been like, what happened to this murder case? Let me <laughs> yeah. Google him. Yeah. yeah. One of the other docs that uh, Paco saw recently, I haven't still haven't seen Finders Keepers. Oh, That's so another. Good. Have you heard about that one? No. You, well, let's take a break right now. <laughs> we can talk about Finders Keepers. Shall we? Oh, yeah. Let's take a break. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. There's one movie that she made that has a note in it. And it says, 1972 Chicago murder of mother and baby. Market where she found ad for babysitting job, which had led to disappearance and death. Then you see her walking to the supermarket. She's walking in the babysitter's footsteps. You see her walking to the neighborhood. Yeah, I just wonder if that's where the crime happened. So Finders Keepers is is a re- remarkable documentary. I love it because it's one of those wacky slice of Americana weirdness documentaries, which I love. And it's on Netflix. And it's about a guy who buys a storage locker in Georgia, Shannon Wisenhunt, I believe his name is, and in the storage locker is a barbecue grill, and in the barbecue grill, a human leg. Oh, And the story shit. is about the guy who owns the leg, the guy whose leg it was previously wants it back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Finders Keepers. What's he going to do with it? Not put it on. You, you'll have to watch Finders Keepers. You'll have to be back on SupDoc and talk about <laughs> Finders Keepers. It's really great. It's a really great documentary, and if you're out there, I recommend you watch it. It's on Netflix. Um, what about the documentary where the guy went into like the desert and discovered like uh, like went in looking for all those Ataris, Atari games? Oh no, I haven't heard about oh, this one. Wait, I haven't heard that's about that one. Right? Yes, yeah, because like, they buried them. They buried all the ET right. Atari games because oh. they didn't sell well. Yeah. And this guy, he was like a world-renowned like uh, great video game programmer, and ET went, wanted to make a video game. But it was a flop because they rushed the guy and said, we want this out in five weeks. Right. He made like a very simple ET game mm-hmm. that really, you know, he probably needed more time to make. Yeah. And But it flopped and uh, they buried it in the desert and they all go out to the desert and dig them up. Oh my God, that's amazing. Do you Have you seen it or you just heard yeah, about no, it? Yeah, no, I've seen it. Oh, it. Was it on Netflix? Yeah, it was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still up. I oh forget what it's gosh. called. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. Um, so, uh, let's get back for a second <laughs> to this uh, Finding Vivian doc. Um, one thing I was, I didn't realize it was nominated for a Best Documentary, which is pretty cool. Um, and so I feel like there's a theme in this doc, which is like voyeurism. So mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of so you have a guy who is looking at this woman's private photography parts, her private parts, looking right into her private parts. Um, and then he puts those private moments and those that private photography on display. And then there's a moment within the documentary where Vivian herself was paranoid that people were looking at with binoculars into her private uh-huh. room. 
It's like this weird, like this many layered, like voyeurism thing that's going on in this. Right, day. right. And you ask yourself, did she want to be discovered? I think it seems like it seems like she did. Yeah. But she she almost like what happened is what she wanted to happen. She didn't want to be known while she was alive. Right. It. I mean, why else keep it? Right. I mean, why? Why keep the film if you're never going to? But but there is a part. There's a reveal yeah. that is a letter that she wrote in French to uh, someone who made some of her images into postcards, and uh, they actually find. Is it the is it the guy or is it like the son of the guy who she wrote the letter to? They're in France and they find the shop yeah. where she got these prints made, and then they translate this letter that she wrote right. where she actually wanted someone else to make her prints for her. Yeah, because she and was she bad wanted, at it. Yeah, and she I mean, wanted if she just had access to Craigslist, it had Craigslist came out 15 years before it did, right, right. she could have found somebody Well, she died easily. in 2009. That was plenty of time. Yeah, I think I th- it, sh- it seems like with her, it, it sh- by the time, she might have grown so embittered about the entire process or that she didn't really like do the thing of like submitting. It's not like when someone's like a writer and they submit to the New Yorker or something. She didn't do that step ever. Right. She kept it super to herself. Well, she's obviously a very complicated person. Right. She seems really smart. She's kind of the Brienne of Tarth of photography. In a, she's tall. She's tall. <laughs> she's blonde. She's like right. Stoic. When you're tall, you just she's make good a- with children. <laughs> she's good with children. <laughs> Uh, kind of, she's kind of good with children. She, it's so oh my gosh, oh yeah, actually, she's kind that's of not good with children. Right, that's what I meant. Because like they interview some of the people she nannied for, right? And some of these kids, they loved her, and some of them, they sort of told stories that were yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, one woman particularly, yeah, had a very hard time with her. That's a troubling story. Yeah, uh, the lady that they talked to says, as a child. Um, Vivian force fed her because she wouldn't eat all of her food. Right, and she like involved like choking her till she would swallow the food. Right. And, like, and uh, it sounds like uh, some abuse too, because she said that she would slam her head into a bookcase at only at like age six, and um, and you know there's or, there's a couple of people who said that she was just really mean, mm-hmm. and then a friend of a friend who said that uh, she had a very dark side to her. Which, and mental illness. Someone else says she was basically mentally ill. Yeah. Well, I think when you when you're a hoarder. And I, I like some people were bringing up a, a assumption that some sort of some sort of I concur with that. My parents are hoarders, and I'm sure they're mentally no ill. No way. Yeah. <sighs> wait, wait, what? Wait, let's talk about that. For <laughs> a That's why I had a storage unit because I had this sort of hoarding gene in me, oh. and I would like you know be afraid to like give stuff away or to, that I must have this. I must okay. keep it because I'm somewhat fascinated with hoarding. Are you? Yeah, I am because. I didn't grow up with it, and I don't do it myself. I actually have the opposite problem. I get rid of stuff all the... I'm always purging. I'm always getting rid of stuff. So what kind of things would they hoard? Like newspapers or... Um, Do you you mind talking about this? No, everything. They would, like, hoard, like, papers from church, like, you know, testaments and printouts and just every printout from every church meeting that they went to, there would be binders full of it in our house. Oh, wow. From, like, 1982. Catholic? Uh, Evangelical Christian. Oh, the worst kind. Exactly. That is the worst kind. Fundamentalist. You're right there in the Bible Belt. Yeah. The Northern Bible Mm -hmm. Belt. And your family, are you Korean? Yeah, Korean. 
Yeah, because I was going to say, in my family, I'm Chinese, but, like, there's hoarding in my family, for sure. Really? There's yes, definitely like Asians are such oh, no either hoarders or they're meticulously OCD clean. Yeah. Should I just step out of this conversation and let you guys... Well, you maybe no, you, you should interview. You should compare and contrast. Astrid, did your parents keep napkins from every restaurant you went to? Or mm, menus? They'll keep... Okay, we'll come home from Taco Bell and... Yeah, we'll have all those hot Taco sauce Bell. packets. Hot sauce packets. There's like ketchup packets. I like I like have thrown away like a hundred hot sauce packets from Taco Bell from the shelves. Plastic plastic forks. Just everything. Yeah. Everything. Did, now were they immigrants? Uh, that's is yeah, that part Korean of it? Immigrants. I feel like that's got to be part of it because with my family, I think it has something to do with like having to like leave a place very suddenly without any of your mm. stuff. Right, because they arrive to Chicago with nothing. Were they and avoiding, so if they yeah. collect anything or they buy anything, they're like, we can't give this away. What oh, if wow. we don't make money tomorrow? So, the, yeah. so that, I mean, is that hoarding? Hoarding has more of an emotional, psychological uh, uh, bent to it. That sounds more of like... It's pragmatic I hoarding, I guess. Or you're hoarding in the, case, in the hopes that it's going to come in handy. I mean, like kind of what your parents did with the, the church tracks. I would probably do that with like punk show flyers that I went uh. to. I've got a huge archive of like flyers that goes back to the 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I save like play bills from plays I go to. You probably sell those on eBay. Exactly. Well, I, that's what uh, my <laughs> logic is always like, my shit's at least cool. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah. Well, I know. Our house was like so dorky. It's like Bible testaments and songbooks, hymnals, and wow. beanie babies. And oh, those are worth <laughs> something. So, how did they feel when you, if they're so religious, how did they feel about you going into the entertainment business? Well, I didn't tell them. They <laughs> thought. <laughs> They still don't know they, they to this day. Know. They're going to find out. On I'm on a show called Family you know, Guy. Don't watch it. You know, don't watch it. Esther, I told you there was going to be a surprise in today's uh, uh, podcast, and there is. Ooh. Your parents Esther's are here. Esther's parents. Right bring up. This is your life. Jim and Janice Koo. Come on Here's up. a binder of your <laughs> eighth grade homework. Here they are. Did Esther. they keep Did they keep like school stuff from you? Did you, you know, keep school stuff? I wish I wish I had more school stuff. Like oh, I don't yeah. think they have so much school stuff. They have all the Bible shit. Right. Nothing. Nothing like of their kids. Oh, are you only child? No, there's five of us. Oh, okay, Jesus. so they were keeping stuff. Do the other people keep stuff in your family? Your your siblings keep stuff. Yeah, it's. I call it keeping stuff. I don't call it. I don't <laughs> like to use the H see, word. I you're avoiding the I don't like to shame. Yeah, I see you're avoiding Poor the H shaming. word. I think hoarding gets passed down from generation to generation, and you have to mm. make such an active uh, attempt. It's like you're swimming upstream mm -hmm. against the hoarding tendencies that you were raised with, and I now want to get rid of stuff. I want to have garage sales. Yeah. I want Perch. to... Uh, I, I sell my clothes online now mm. and just I just I'm like, I haven't worn this in five years. When am I going to... Just because I spend a lot of money mm -hmm. on it two years ago, it doesn't mean I should keep it. No. Fuck that. Yeah. You know? And you've moved, like, to, you've moved to three different major cities in your life. Right, yeah, yeah, I've moved a lot. So at first, when I moved from Boston to New York, I made, like, several trips because I had so much stuff. I'd accumulated stuff. Right, right, sure. And when you come from a poor immigrant background, you're not keen on like just getting rid of something no right you no. were like i worked hard for this this bike pump can be resold yeah yeah, yeah. you yeah. have like three bike pumps and like yeah. a bunch of bad tires and shit you know i mean it makes it makes sense but there's i think what the pro like, i think there's collecting because you think you might use it in the future then there's hoarding which is like there's a it becomes dangerous in your home that's the one thing i gotta say for myself in defense in this discussion because i've been thinking a lot about my issues i just moved here from the bay lived there for like 20 years I had a storage unit there, and then I had to like get a new storage unit 
down here in here. LA. Yeah, and my girlfriend's just me like, we cannot have all this shit in the house. Right. You need to like get a storage unit. And it just probably just like, I know it's only gonna be like sixty bucks a month, but I just, what if I need that thing? Well, my storage unit in New York was how much was this? It, it started out fifty five dollars a month, and it just kept going up. Oh yeah, New York prices. Public storage. Eventually paying. Uh. Like eighty five dollars a oh, month, yeah. and then also it was on the third floor, so I would have to uh, get this huge ladder mm. to get to the third story oh. of the storage unit because they're stacked on top of each there, other. There's not like a third actual floor; you have to just get up to the. You level? have to push this like warehouse oh ladder down the aisle. That sounds so New York. That's yeah, dangerous as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Was there a guy with like a biting on a cigar, being like, "Watch There was yourself. always there was always like homeless people, like mm-hmm, of course. But then there was always those people. Uh, selling sunglasses and hats and stuff like yeah. they would be pulling their stuff back in after a day of selling yeah. those my dad actually moved into a storage once lived there yeah like he, he moved was living he in moved it? a couch and a piano into a storage unit because like my parents couldn't get afford to get a divorce but they were fighting all the time <laughs> and my dad was like i've had enough and like walked wow. out and got a storage unit wow and, but he brought a piano. That's but he brought a practical. piano, and I think he would have still been living there to, sure. till today, had they not kicked him. Had they not <laughs> kicked, kicked him, him out, out of the storage? I was unit. like, sir, you can't live here. Oh, oh yeah. So gosh. so they split up. Your parents split up. No, they're still they're miserable still together. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> he moved back in with the piano. Do they still love their Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, speaking of Jesus, um, <laughs> Vivian, th- there's this weird turn in this documentary where she acts like a journalist, where she goes to the funeral home. Because this babysitter was killed. Oh, yeah, that's right. She kind of is like shadowing the path of this other babysitter who was murdered. Yeah, and she's single white femaleing her? Yeah, she was. Kind of. I mean, she's already dead at that point. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, maybe maybe instead of Vivian wanting to be like a famous photographer, she would have wanted to be more of a journalist. Like, maybe that would have been more suitable for what she wanted to do. Because she remember, she was taking tape recorders into. you know, Jewel. Jewel Osco. Jewel Osco. Uh, Dirty Jewel is what we used to call it. But she would take tape recorders in the supermarkets and interview people about, like, Nixon and stuff. Yeah, she would have a podcast is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. She what would Vivian Meyer's podcast be called? Uh, it'd be called... Leave me alone, a dirty American. <laughs> that's, that's German. That's <laughs> I know. I went a little German on Leave it. Leave me alone. The Alps. What, what yeah. do you do? Um, uh, and, and nothing really Meyer's. Um, yeah, no. But the question is... Was she, she chose to be a nanny, right? She maybe had other options. And I think, like, there was this thing of, like, where people look, people kind of looked down on her because she was a nanny. But well, I think she viewed it as, like, I've got freedom to do, I don't, I have a roof over my head. Exactly. Like, being, like, an au pair, She liked the benefits of the job. Yeah, she liked the benefits. But there were, there were some uh, kids that she nannied for who loved her. Right. And eventually, when she was an older lady and wasn't working anymore, th- these boys who she nannied, Grew up and paid for her apartment. Right. Yeah. And they were the ones. I thought that, that was so sweet. And they paid sweet. for the storage unit. Oh. And that was the thing in the end, or at the very, I guess, the first 15 minutes or so, uh, John f- ends up getting co- in contact with those boys. You never see f- footage of the boys as no. adults. Yeah. And they don't do the interview, which I found interesting that, that they wouldn't do the interview because they knew her the most in her like Maybe right. later they got years. fat. Maybe they did get fat. They also uh, bought her her grave site. Oh, they did. Yeah, Yeah. in the ravine, which is also such a. At least this the documentary takes so many weird turns, which makes it a compelling documentary. But at least it ends on a very sweet note that like she got to be buried. She was kind of taken care of by the kids who 
she worked for. Right. Yeah. And they yeah. buried her. And that made me think I should start nannying on the side. So Absolutely. somebody, yeah. <laughs> I don't have children, yeah. but who's going to bury me? Well, you should start taking <laughs> photography like you always wanted and just get mean to children. Just a bunch of, Insta- your Instagram account will make you famous one day. That could be what it is. But yeah, no, like they bury her in the strawberry fields where she was, strawberry uh, fields they, they said that she was happiest there or that was their right. memory of her being the happiest. So then there's this, uh, there's this other bit in there about what could potentially be her fake accent which I thought was really weird. Oh, yeah. It was a really strange. That was right. strange. And she went by several different names. Yeah. Vivian Smith, yeah. uh, Meyer with different spellings. V. Meyer, V. Meyer, Right, some T-Meyer. people said she had a French accent. Some people said she had no accent. Right. Well, the... the, the it's re- like she would stay in character while taking care of this family? Yeah, and then they talked to the PhD linguist guy right. who is also really weird. It was... Yeah, he's a little aggressive about his theory. He was aggressive, and I think he enjoyed being interviewed. Right. And he was like, you don't want to read my dissertation. Kind of like... Yeah, oh, no, no. (laughs) It's going to be above your head. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to read a linguistics dissertation for, like, like, just figuring out whether this lady had an accent or not. On vowels of French people. Yeah. Uh, Like, yeah, that's probably a good reason. But it sort of answered in that she was born in New York, but she did move with her... Her father split. We don't know what happened with the father. There's sort of implications that there is stuff going on in the family back a generation, like the grandparents. Like her aunt was like, would not, or her aunt did not, she was the own last living relative. The aunt did not leave her anything. The aunt left stuff to like friends. And then she sort of said, like, there's like, I stay away from my family for good reasons that only my good friends know about. It's never explained. I think the implication in that, and then later in the doc, there's an implication that perhaps she had been abused as a child. Right. Yeah. And there's like, and the way that she is with some of those kids would sort of bear out maybe like there's a, another level, another generation of abuse sort of coming out in, in how she behaves with some of the yeah. people she's caretaking. Now, Esther. Yep. If you had to have a fake accent, what would you have? What kind of accent would you have? What would be your fake uh, accent? I would be like a, like a Latino. <laughs> <laughs> be, well, Esther works then. I mean, the name. Esther. Yeah. It's kind of. How about <laughs> you, Mira, Esther. I, I always do a, a bogus uh, Australian accent whenever I oh. get a chance. It's the only thing I think I know decently. Just from hanging out with a bunch of Australians. Nice. They also drop the C word a lot, so it's like something I have to remember not to do when I'm cunt? doing that. Yeah. Do they say cunt? They do don't they? Say, do they say hoard? Uh, they don't do use the H. They don't use so the much, H. Word. No. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. What about you? What's your accent? <clears throat> Mine would be like. Mine's more like uh, southern. You do southern like preacher kind of a lot. Well, right? I do that. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. I grew because that's what I grew up in. Was fire and brimstone evangelical. Uh, you know, put your hands up to the Lord kind of family. Like, because mm-hmm. I had the same thing. Like, that's that Northern Bible Belt thing. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in all that weirdness, man. Speaking in tongues, did you guys have that? No, but I did visit other churches who did. And I was Ooh. like, oh, mine's not like that. We would pray more quietly. Were you ever a Christian? And then you, are you a Christian now? I used to teach Bible study. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Now you're a foul mouth comedian. I love it. So, so you were a Christian. You were like a Christian girl. I was a hardcore Christian. I would ask people to study Bible. Like you would get points for like bringing your classmates to Bible study. Oh my god! And you get more points if they're white rather than like. (laughs) Oh, even in that, like Filipino, black, or Chinese, they'd be like, "Yeah, but that's so easy, though." I guess some souls matter more. God, that is funny. Yeah. What a. What about who is the Moon guy from? Oh, Reverend Moon. Yeah, yeah Reverend the Moon. Moonies. The Moonies. Yeah, the Moonies. Did oh, he was Korean, right? 
Was that everyone? Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's Korean from Korea, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's Korean from Korea. I think the leader of the one that I grew up in probably saw the Mooney guy and was like, I can do that and make a lot Fox. of money and so get my ass kissed by everybody in my congregation. So you, like, for me, I grew up in an extremely Christian household, but I knew as a little kid, I was like, there's no way. Because you're smarter than me. I yeah, figured I'm it out when <laughs> I was 17. I was, like, in it, hook, line, and sinker. I just didn't believe the theatrics. It was just too, it was, there's too much, like, theatrics. I just was like, this just doesn't seem right. Yeah. It seems like good Christians, if you, like if Christianity was real, people would stay home and do really nice things for their neighbors and not take credit. They wouldn't fuck each other's wives. They would like be Christian. Right. Like, you were able to see the hypocrisy yes. early on. Yes, I was. Exactly. I was a smart little kid. How do you want to be remembered, Esther? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is ending not the way you expected. <laughs> I want to be discovered through my storage unit. Um, <laughs> I thought it was an, a huge accomplishment for me to close my storage unit because it was costing me $85 a month. But That is a big move. That I is. am going to reopen one, and I'm going to get a oh. huge one so that oh, my good. documentary could be like a four-part series. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be filled with thumb drives with images on them. Opening Esther's coup. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. What about like... There's also seems to be like there's something in this documentary about privacy. And mm -hmm. like one thing th that I was reading some reviews where people were a little mad at John Maloof mm -hmm. for evading her privacy. What do you what do you guys think about? Oh, that? some of the subjects and yeah, in the documentary say that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's for entertainment, so fuck them. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I Fair mean, enough. I think the letter that uh, what that where she wants to get her stuff professionally printed kind of gets him off the hook because mm -hmm. he's having a little bit I mean he doesn't address it so much in the process but I'm sure over the years of him digging through all this stuff he had to have some pangs of like doubt and conscience about well, he, like, it's whether he's like exploiting her he ex discovered these boxes and boxes and then decided I'm going to make a documentary right away he tested the waters putting him on Flickr and stuff first yeah that is true it's just like I think there's but would you like let's say let's say you recorded hours and hours of stand-up material and you never put it out and you never did stand-up oh that was what was in my storage unit was hours and hours of <laughs> yeah i have vhs tapes of VHS? me doing open mics in boston <laughs> oh my god will they make you pay for the tape uh sometimes tape yeah. but i would tape it myself i think yeah. but if you or if you bring a tape they'll tape it for yeah, you yeah. but oh wow yeah Your open mic set yeah Do you still have them i have a bunch of them yeah Is but it? it's like who has a vcr anymore yeah that's true Boy, that would be brutal. I'd hate to see my open mic stuff. Like, just. Yeah, no, I have boxes and boxes of it, but I don't watch them. Did you, like, I used to wear a suit. Like, that was going to be my thing. Like, I would wear a suit when I did stand-up. When I first did start stand-up, I was like, I, I need to be a suit oh. guy. Would really? You ever, Why? Well, I don't know, because it just seemed I was like always so casual, like jeans, a t-shirt, and sneakers, so I can, like, thing? move around. And, like, I don't wear heels on stage, yeah. you know? Like, I, I need freedom to, like, jump if I need to. Yeah. You know, do a mosh pit. Right, 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 I'm, right. I can see the appeal of the suit, like kind of a Greg Proops thing or something. Yeah. Or, like, or just like you're classy. You're just like. But it's just a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And it's And also, you're uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. And that was, it wasn't me. It's too hot. And like people would, my friends would come see me and they're like, who is this character you're doing? And like this guy in the suit. and the like Blues Brothers guy. Yeah. So, yeah. And your 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 high top uh, game is on point. Uh, you always have oh, pretty yeah. pretty sweet little high top. Nice kicks. <laughs> have nice nice kicks. I fit into kids' shoes. <laughs> Do you? Is yeah. it cheaper? I just Probably discovered not. it recently, and I'm like, why haven't I been buying kids' shoes this whole time? Oh, I'm damn girl, so stupid. Yeah, should've been buying those like uh, boy sevens. Yeah, fives. Are those? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's. 
Um, <laughs> now, did either of you see In the Realms of the Unreal? Do you know that No, what is that one? That's the one about Henry Darger, who is the artist oh. who's also Chicago, who is another guy who his whole body of work is not discovered until he's dead, and people are going through his closets, and he made these giant-ass scrolls. Also obsessed with children in a very uh, unpure way, very strange. Really? Yeah, but in the realms of the Unreal, also nominated for an Oscar, I think, the year it came out. I want to say it was maybe like 2007 or something. Huh. I have not so, seen it. Yeah, but uh, that's another underground Are you a swimmer? Chicago you have like person. no leg hair. Oh, thanks. Well, that w- that doesn't show up on a podcast. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I just uh, just Asian. You don't have any leg hair either. So. Well, that's true. because well, I shave. Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, then I guess my legs are a more hairless. When than we this. take our group photo, we'll have to get a, a close-up <laughs> of, of your legs. Of the leg hair. Can, we'll we be can like, make some extra we'll be like, whose leg is it? And we'll use Esther's yeah. or Greg's. I know he has great legs. Or so George, why did I just call you Greg? <laughs> because it's okay. It doesn't matter. You want to molest proofs. Greg? It's fine. I do. Uh, I kind of do. Speaking of molesting, Phil Donahue. Oh yeah. Was was wait on this. what? What's the c- <laughs> not? There is no. I just wanted to get back to the doc. You wanted to just get Donahue uh, maligned on I the podcast. I used to love Phil Donahue. I did too, man. He was great. Was I he, he was of, good? I thought he was out of Philadelphia. No, nah, he's a Chicago guy. He was a Chicago. Do you remember? Are you old enough to remember Phil Donahue and you his know, talk show? It sounds familiar. Does he have a mustache? No, that's John. Uh, he's got that big white hair, very yeah. like kind of like bloodshot like nose. He like, would always do this when he yeah. talked to people in the crowd. People well, would raise their hand, and he had like this like one of the first like afternoon talk show things. Yeah, and uh, he would run into a crowd and like dive. Like if they're in the middle, he would like dive over people. And then he'd go like, yeah, like that. And yeah. I think a lot of those people because uh, Oprah came out of Chicago too. Yeah. A lot of people came out of Chicago from the daytime TV. Have Maryland. you ever heard of Michael Jordan? <laughs> uh, he plays golf, right? He's yeah. a golfer. Yeah, avid. He's an avid golfer. I remember uh, Marilyn Manson being on Phil Donahue. Oh, you do. And I remember watching, well, like one of the first times I watched Phil Donahue, they had, and I was like, the world's coming well, to an one end. Of, one, one of our old guests, Sam McFeeters, I believe he was on Donahue, or he called in to Donahue, and he got the name of his, he got his name on Donahue. Oh, and ended up on one of the Born Against albums. Yeah, oh, wow. Our past guest. That's uh, cool. Based out of here. But yeah, Donahue is one of the people who hired uh, Vivian Meyer as a nanny. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's why I bring him up. For his kids. He has four kids. He's a single dad, which I was surprised by. I didn't know that. I thought he was married to Marlo Thomas. But it must have been been later. Yeah. That came. She's pretty hot. That was later, yeah. So he has four kids. Yeah, and she fucked Phil Donahue for a few years. Marla. Vivian did? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, which documentary she did you watch? She seems to have like no uh, sex life, sex watch, life at yeah. all or private life at all. Yeah. She's watch, asexual. Yeah, she was. Well, that's why that's like the Brienne of Tarth kind of thing. Yeah. Came into like this. I think like Brienne of Tarth is, has like a lot of emotional things going on though. With she her. does. Yeah. She's complicated. Yeah. There's, there's some wheels turning there. It, it would have been... It would have been interesting to have seen video footage of Vivian. Like, it would have been cool to... See, I mean, you can hear her talk. Right. And you can see photographs of her, but it would have been cool to, like, yeah. see how she right. walks. Because she's holding the 8 millimeter. If you see her, it's always... She's a queen of selfies. She's got a ton of selfies. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was oh, the queen of selfies. she would take portraits, self-portraits yeah. a lot. Did holding you her camera. guys have, uh, from the documentary or from just research or whatever, did you have a favorite uh, Vivian or, uh, photograph? You know, I saw it several months ago. I don't remember anything specifically, but... I kind of remember when this... I think in 2012 or so, 
he found the stuff in 2009, but he didn't really put a lot of it online until, I think, 2011 right. or so. I kind of remember just one of those, like, uh, like a like a Upworthy or something, like one of these websites being like, check out all these amazing street shots from this unknown street photographer. And I just, I just put together that was probably her, because a lot of the photos of the kids looked familiar from that stuff. And they compare her work to... Uh, Ouija and Diane Arbus, yeah. and I, I, I've seen a lot of the Ouija stuff. We have a book of that stuff at my house. I'm also not, in general, a big photography person. Like for for me to notice that there was definitely a total distinct style, and uh, and I think a lot of it had to do with her shooting from below at people, so that it looks like they're imposing and from above. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, like they were like towering down on it. It's because she's holding the camera right. down by the waist. But I, in general, like I don't really pay a ton of attention to photographers, and I'm not really familiar with photography as a genre. But you can kind of tell, e- even being like a layperson, you can tell there's something going on with these photos. You can there's tell. like a she very had distinct such vision. A good eye. But and it must. I mean, it's so weird because she's not putting her eye up to the finder, the viewfinder. Mm-hmm. She's on her chest, so she must have this. Like sense of when to push the shutters, you know, like, and also, the, also that none of her subjects had could be moving; they had to be still, yeah, or they would have gotten blurry. Yeah, there's a couple, like the the black kid riding the horse downtown, like under yes. the L. That horse mm-hmm. shot is amazing. It's yeah. amazing, and then there's that one of compositionally, the, yeah, the older gentleman. Super wrinkled, like, but with this like really characteristic face. Tim Roth buys one of those photos. Oh yeah, like the, the actor Tim Roth, who I I try to do an impression of Tim Roth, but it's all in the head. But um, yeah, no, Tim Roth nice. buys one of the photos, and he's talking about how he likes. It's like someone who's impoverished but has this sort of humanity coming through. Yeah, and a lot of it. Okay, so street photography as a genre, it's like they call her a street photographer because she's not doing like portraiture like in a studio or anything like that. And that's this kind of stuff that if you see like, you know, like Vice or like Hamburger Eyes or these other kind of like, that's the most popular kind of, I think. It fits with like internet level of like photography because it's all about like documenting like normal people like in their environment on the street, right? So I think like um, she's known for that. Mm -hmm. And um, that's more about like, it's about transcending class and race and other things like that. It's really, she's just like documenting people that were not getting a portrait done like at Sears, right? It's like people that didn't even expect to be photographed. People who didn't even know they were being photographed. Yeah, I know. That's that's what's... It's like documentary in and of itself. It's like, it's it like she was being a voyeur on all these people. So, yeah, it's okay to post all of her artwork because she was being a voyeur to them. Well, there's that part, too, where they the su- subjects didn't know that they were being photographed. It's a very yeah. strange... Oh, yeah, she wasn't getting release forms from yeah. anyone back then. Yeah, that's not how it worked. You know what we should do right now is uh, quickly listen to our sponsor. Oh, yeah. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. 
Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure Equal Opportunity Lender NMLS 1717824 Terms and Conditions Apply Visit Figure.com for more information For licensing information go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org She was aware of what was going on in politics and society at the time She would bring this cassette recorder and she goes to the supermarket and she's asking people in line well, what did you think of the impeachment? Well, come on. My auntie? Yes, you are. Come on. I don't know. Well, you should have an opinion. Women are supposed to be opinionated, I hope. <laughs> come on. So, Esther. Yeah. If Would you have a nanny? What do you mean, would I have a if nanny? If you had kids. If I had kids? And money. Um, I mean, I don't know. Would you be? Would you give? Does this make you want to hire a nanny? Yeah. Watching this? Yeah, movie? yeah, yeah. Would no, you stay I would home say home with your kids if you had little ones. Or well, I mean, I travel so much. Yeah, I would have to oh, get right. a nanny. That's right, of course. But I wouldn't want to. Yeah, well, it'd be weird. Like that's such a that's such a you, that person is like a another family member at some R- point. Yeah, that's actually brought up in there because some of the employers really treat her like. They're her friends, or they're more they than really just employer. They really liked her. Yeah, some of them really liked her. Some of the families were really nice. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure a bunch that didn't want to be interviewed, like, didn't want to say anything, yeah. good or bad. Oh, that's a good point. The people they yeah, probably they tracked down, yeah. they didn't interview. Yeah. We had, I grew up with, like, not nannies, because I feel like that's a different connotation, but I had certainly had babysitters that stayed the night, mm-hmm. and uh, they were just because th- we had a state mental hospital that my dad would get babysitters from. Okay, tell, tell us what. <laughs> that is not a jo- That is true, man. Really? Like he would just put up a post on, on the wall there I don't know, because I'm the youngest of six. I don't know how he found them, but we had one named Betty that was m- mean, and she was from the mental institution. Yeah. And she, I remember once she put something, uh, this is kind of sad, but she put like a glass popcorn bowl on the oven and exploded oh geez and she like started crying oh. and maybe a plastic bowl it was glass oh wow oh, it heated up and <laughs> yeah. oh jeez she was trying to heat up popcorn in, in a, a glass, glass bowl okay. my aunt did that with oh. plastic and it all melted oh, oh yeah well that's that's just weird that people would think that she that didn't would get work. shards of glass in her eye or i anything? was too young i was like probably four or yeah. five but i remember her crying and like sitting and rocking in the corner and oh. I remember thinking to myself, like, I have to help her somehow. Yeah. Like, because she was obviously... She was a codependent babysitter? She, yeah, it was really weird. But she ended up coming to my dad's funeral. Oh. Uh, when my dad died, like, 10 years with ago. With a big container of those chai popcorns. With popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Esther, that's why I love you. But no, she showed up. It was random. Betty showed up at my dad's yeah. funeral, and it was like, and she looked the same. What is the etiquette for when you should go to somebody's funeral? I think if you love them, or if you, or if you hate them too. I mean, there's that. You're like, fuck you. I'm glad you're gone. Or like, I love you. You know. Did you yeah. have uh, babysitters? Growing no. Up? And no one, no one babysat you no, guys. She, yeah, no, she, no, we were. We were unattended and neglected. All the all is like the oldest kid was kind of in charge. Was it one of those? Yeah. Yeah. He would be given the reins of the household. And do you have a, a good relationship with your parents now? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because they're here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been through years of therapy. Got it. And uh-huh. I wrote a letter to my parents. Oh, good. And my therapist was like, okay, we're going to do an exercise. You write a letter to your parents. Okay. 
And I swear to God, she said, send it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. God damn it, Koo. You're the best. (laughs) And did you? (laughs) Yes. And then the next week, she's like, I was like, so I sent my parents a letter. And she was like, no, you keep it. uh, Yeah, well, we were, it was just an exercise. And I'm like, you (laughs) said, send it. You leave it in a storage locker for them to find later. Oh, my God, that is funny. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) I thought she said send it. Oh, my God, that is the best. I don't even know where to go from there. That's that's pretty fucking funny. Um, if you could say one thing, your parents on this podcast. No, <laughs> do they listen to podcasts? They don't know English. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. I don't know if they listen. I had a weird experience with a babysitter. I remember where like we were. I don't know. It wasn't a bad experience with a babysitter. It was just like someone we had a couple times. Me and my sister. And then I just remember like a couple years later, her just like kind of wandering into our court like where we lived and we were just like kind of playing outside and she's just like, is that Yvonne and George? And like, she had been in her like early thirties or early twenties or something. So I don't know how much later this was. She couldn't have been 30, but she, I just remember her looking a lot older and looking kind of sad and like, just like kind of like coming by to say hello to us. And we didn't know her really well at mm. all. So I just Aww. remember that being this really strange image of like, well, cause what like the you get it when you, when you watch kids, you get attached to them. Yeah. yeah I just watched the Bojack Horseman episode. Oh, he, you, had, did you watch the season yet? I haven't started it yet. Okay. Because the thing with that that cartoon, if I watch one episode, I'm watching Get the entire something, yeah. season. There's like one thing where he kind of is is taking care of a of a of a baby, and it's weird because he's such like a cynical character, and then right. he just like you see him kind of melt with this baby. And I just like visited my girlfriend's friends have a baby, and we just went over there and had dinner with them, and like the kid was just kind of. He's a little crazy, but I just really like the kid. So now we always like talk about this kid. So I don't know. Yeah. Just like your relationship with kids, you just like kind of are seeing your own mortality. It's I think, true. Is part and of I it. also, I I didn't realize how much I love kids until I dated someone who had children. Like I I love kids, man. I'm glad that sentence ended the way it did. <laughs> <laughs> you never. Yeah. Anyways. Um. So overall. I, I, I like this documentary. I find that bio... I like the first 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I find that bio documentaries are sometimes kind of tough because you're kind of like, oh, okay. But then there's ones that take these weird turns like this one that make it compelling. I mean, it's not even like a traditional bio in that it's not like, you know, kid stays in the picture or anything because you don't really have access to her anymore. Right. It's and the all guy about who, And the guy who made it, he, made, he did such a good job with it because he was so meticulous about organizing all of the yeah. negatives. Those are fun shots. And, and he, they made a perfect pair. They never met in real life, uh-huh. but they just, he just made a great other half for her yeah. to, he to has, showcase yeah. her work. Yeah. He has his own kind of OCD and his yeah. own kind of like, like second generation hoarding thing. It's happening. like you watch it and you're happy that this guy is the right guy to have discovered this storage unit. Now, I did find one thing on online about in 2014. There was another lawyer who knew about this case who like ended up like thinking that this guy Maloof was in the wrong. And he, on his own, this other lawyer who's not involved in the story at all, not involved in it, he, except for he decided to go find a genealogy person and try to f- track down another living relative of Vivian Meyer. And so he tried to claim that 
I guess the way that Malouf left it, he was paying proceeds to that cousin <laughs> in France, the older cousin, I think Sylvain is his name. So this other lawyer who's not involved, he finds another relative, and he's trying to claim that that relative should get part of the money from this whole thing. And so all these places that are showing her work and like selling her work, they have to like kind of effectively shut down for a while, and they have to set up like a, 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 an estate for Vivian Meyer. And who gets and the, the money? Because she the never had children. The, the money's going to the estate right now. And so it's just going to whichever relative the court ultimately decides. And none of these relatives are in the U.S., so it's really complicated right. because that it's like outside the U.S. so yeah. tough. And one of them had never even heard of her. Yeah, he didn't even know about this case at all. It's really yeah. this other busybody, nosy guy who right. just thought that Maloof had done the wrong thing right. and decided to stick his nose in it. Yeah. Wow. So that's because she was case. such a loner. It seemed like she didn't really talk to her family even much. No. Oh no! I mean, and it seems like yeah, there was uh, implications that there might have been abuse or something that was like yeah, it going back. But she did go. So uh, yeah, it's weird. So she did go back to France, you know, to kind of mm-hmm. I think reconnect with some past people, and then and then at the very end they you sh- they they do this nice like montage sequence right. of uh, people looking at her displays. And Saint Julien, yeah, and, and, and then town, there's yeah. yeah, there's that where and then that old lady sees her husband. Yeah. Oh, it's so cute and sad. Yeah. It's so it's at the end that oh the, yeah, it's kind of weepy and. Then you see all the different um, artwork displays and yeah. stuff. But apparently now, from because of that court ruling, they might be taking down all of her uh, photography and all the museums no. and stuff. Because there, no one knows now who owns it, who owns the rights. Who should own it, do you think? Well, I mean, this really guy definitely question. like put in a lot of work into it. Like Malouf has put a ton of work into this. Whatever you think his intentions were, he's done. He's hired all these people to scan the work. He made this documentary. He, he and he basically said the first two three years he wasn't making any money back. He only started making money back from the investment he put into it. I think after this documentary came out. So he's definitely like connected to it. But I don't know who ultimately should have. The, the rights to it because, she, yeah, she has no heirs. I think, uh, it sounds, to me, Maloof, I mean, he found, discovered them, did all the work like you just said, and put mm-hmm. this documentary, and I think he has her best interests at heart. You think he deserves the money? I do, yeah. I think p- portion of it. He should set up like a, a, a Finding Vivian scholarship fund for kids who want to go into photography at the University of Chicago or something. Yeah. With part of the proceeds. I don't know, something like that. Um, but that is not for us to decide. We're just mere documentary yeah. fans yeah. and not adjudicators. Well, I think this has like a lot, the, the film itself has a lot to recommend itself. I mean, it takes so many interesting twists and turns. It reminds me of some other films we've seen, like the, the How to Draw a Bunny one, and also uh, just in terms of, there was another one I was thinking it reminded me of, but... Um, something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's got a lot. Yeah. <laughs> something different. <laughs> Some another one, and yeah. another one, yeah, also it in in itself as well. No, um, there's a lot I think going on in in this one. Yeah. Gosh, there, we didn't talk about that like slaughterhouse scene. Oh, I think she I takes blocked this, it out. The kid who has, she has the most contentious relationship with, she brings the kid to like a oh, slaughterhouse, that's right. and there's like a dead sheep that got trampled. They, like I thought they were gonna take her in to actually see. Well, because like, the cows whenever she would nanny, she would bring the kids to somewhere. Yeah. She, didn't, she didn't like staying inside the house. She right. loved going out into the public, into parks, into factories or whatever. Yeah. Just so that she could encounter more subjects for her photos. 
And some of the parents were like, yeah, I don't want you taking my kid to certain neighborhoods in Chicago. Including which the I can yards. understand. Yeah. yeah. Like back then, though, there were no standards for parenting no. or nanny. <laughs> yeah. No standards. I like, I like how, though, that she was like, so I watched these cows get slaughtered and then some of the dead sheep. And then the next shot is like, here's my sheep. Yeah, right. I, have. I love critters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she loves. And then there's also her neighbors that she had in. Ro- I think Rogers Park is where she was, and the guy with oh, the, yeah. weird the weird, side the weird, the uh, weird earrings, earrings, and the one, the weird Fu Manchu, yeah, Fu Manchu mustache, stereo yeah. Fu Manchu thing that was happening. And everybody was like, every time she was in the alley going through the garbage, <laughs> yeah. she'd yell at them. Her garbage photos are great, though. I like those it's, black and white garbage photos yeah. that she had from earlier. Yeah, I certainly have great appreciation for people who are good photographers and good illustrators, because I can't do either. Like, I dabble in other things, but yeah. I certainly... Well, even her moving to color was interesting, I thought. I mean, because she's... Her black and white stuff's so good. It was like, it was like Pleasantville when yeah. she started masturbating. Uh-huh. Every, everything turned to color. Are we talking about Reese Witherspoon or her? The Meyer? mom. I don't know. Esther, mom do, you there. Have, uh, do you have a hobby talent that, that you dabble in that people don't really know about, like music or anything? Oh, yeah. You play the ukulele. I play music. That's right. That's right. We've done it. We jammed. Yeah, man. You know what? I think I even have some of that because I, I recorded some of those, remember? Was it an audio recording? Yeah. Okay, I bring th- it to my funeral. I will. I'll play it at your funeral. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll show up at your funeral in the trench coat, and I'll walk up to your casket, and I'll say, Flashing. your move, Esther. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks. Great uh, to see you. It was great to see you, too. Uh, bye. Thanks for listening. You can find episodes of SubDoc on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Please review, subscribe, and rate. And you can follow us on Twitter at SubDocPodcast and online at SubDocPodcast.com. This show is produced by Will Scoville, and our theme music is by David Siegel. If you want to suggest a documentary or a future guest, please email us at SubDocPodcast at gmail.com. 